0: Today's reading is Psalm 129. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turn backward. Let them be like grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Chesterton said... I had to do it. I I had this week presented another opportunity. I had to do it. Chesterton said, Christianity has died many times and risen again, for it had a God who knew the way out of the grave. And I love that saying because it speaks to the resiliency of God, the toughness of God. And the name Christian, which was given to to the first followers of Jesus, for it was given to the followers of Jesus first at Antioch, was a diminutive expression, supposed to be an insult, meaning little Christ's. And we're like Christ when we live out this principle, this literal never-say-die attitude. One of the marks of a disciple is that she doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. To paraphrase the immortal words of Chumbawamba, a Christian is someone who gets knocked down and then gets up again because they're never going to keep you down. Now this summer we're studying the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms one thirty through 120 through 134. We're studying them along with Eugene Peterson. And these are these songs that were sung by pilgrims as they were on their way to Jerusalem, arriving in Jerusalem. And, and, and pilgrimage is this apt metaphor for the life of faith. It's, it's a journey with Jesus to God. And each one of these psalms, it highlights a different aspect of, of a characteristic or, or something about what it means to follow Jesus. And so last week, I gave you the four simple steps to the secret of happiness. I hope you've lived that out and you had a much happier week uh, than the week before. But, but today, we see another mark of discipleship, and that is perseverance. The psalm begins, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made their long furrows. So the great theme of the psalm is perseverance, but the reality of perseverance is that you can't have perseverance without pain. Pain. And the image here is literally of someone uh, running a plow over the psalmist's back. And, you know, for those of us, we, we, even though, you know, most of us grew up in some kind of a post-agricultural society, you know, agricultural work is something that happens on big industrial farms and we have nothing to do with it. But we at least know that a plow is this instrument that you push along the ground to break up the ground and so that it's ready, um, so that it's ready to receive the seed And so just think of of, of these gashes that are running up and down the psalmist's back proverbially, and and, and the excruciating agony, the pain of this image is almost unimaginable. And what it speaks to, though, is the reality that when you read Scripture, one of the things that, that you'll notice is that God's people are a tough bunch. From the beginning, Abraham and Sarah You know, they had God's promises, but they were tough. They endured years, decades of barrenness. And they traveled all over the ancient world, leaving behind everything they knew, everyone they knew, all to pursue this promise. And they found themselves in some harrowing situations. But they never gave up. That's toughness. And the people of God, the Israelites, they endured 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And then they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. That's toughness. David, he he, he lived his early life on the run from Saul, who did everything he, he could to kill him and to hunt him down. That's toughness. Esther, she risked her life to, to go before King Xerxes to, to plead for her people and save them from genocide. That's toughness. Daniel went to the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the fiery furnace rather than than apostatize, abandon their faith. That's toughness. I mean, there's a whole book of the Bible, Job. I mean, poor, poor Job. He lost everything. He was afflicted in in every way. And yet he refused to curse God. That's toughness. We see a, a, a theme here. We get to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and when we read Paul's letter, you know, he's the great theologian of the early church, and it's far too easy to forget how much he physically endured for the sake of the gospel, how hard actually his work as an apostle, being a missionary, going out into the world, like that was really, really hard, physically demanding, risky work. And in 2 Corinthians 11, he gives this sort of list. He's bragging at this point. He's saying, if I'm going to boast in anything, let me boast about this. And then he lists all of the terrible things that have happened to him. He says, I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea one for a day and a night. In hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by cold, naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. When someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. If I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. That's toughness. And as Paul wrote, everything that he endured only makes him more like Jesus, whose life was about perseverance, He fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and then overcame the devil's temptations. That's toughness. At Gethsemane, he he prayed with the magnitude of, of, of knowing about what was about to happen to him, weighing on him so heavily that he sweated blood. Yet he didn't turn back but said, Father, not my will but your will be done. That's toughness. And then he endured the agony of the cross, dying with the entire sin of the cosmos upon him. That's toughness. It's crazy to think about, but, but Jesus is, is the toughest person the world has ever known. No one had to endure what he endured, carry the weight he carried, experience what he experienced. But he didn't give up. And he didn't give in. And so to be a Christian, a little Christ, is to have that toughness in our bones. That's just as much a part of our lineage, our heritage, heritage, our new birthright as anything else. Psalm 129 teaches us that Christians are tough people. People who can persevere through pain. Now, my, one of my favorite sayings and aphorisms in life comes from uh, former heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was not known for his great wisdom. He's, you know, in many ways a, a, a terrible person, some of the things that he's done. But he said this thing which rings really true. He says, everyone has a plan. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. All right? And that's so true. Everyone's got a plan. Everyone's got it figured out. Everyone knows what they're going to do, right? A, B, C. And then you get punched in the face. And so the question is, well, whatever your plan was, it did not include you at one point getting punched in the face. So that was not part of the plan. And so now what are you going to do? When you get punched in the face, when when, when, uh, the furrows of the plow run up and down your back, what are you going to do? Who is going to have the toughness to get right back up. Because we all have a, a, a plan. Every one of us had a plan and has a plan currently about how our life is supposed to go. You know, when you're growing up, this plan seems sort of pretty simple, right? You you, 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 you kind of go to school, get a job, get married, have kids, be happy and successful, have kids who are happy and successful, retire right off into the sunset with, with, with a nest egg to last you all of your live long days. Maybe your plan is, you know what, that's a little too conventional, so I want to have all of these great adventures, right? Travel the world, take life by the horns. Or maybe you're not adventurous. You go, listen, my greatest dream in my life, my plan is just to to keep my head down and live in, in, in quiet, peaceful obscurity. Everyone has a plan about how life is supposed to go until they get punched in the face. You get laid off. You get cheated on, you get swindled, you get sick, you get depressed, your kids are a mess, your grand uh, plans look more and more like these delusions of grandeur. You don't have enough to retire, so you got to keep on working, you're lonely, you're bored, Uh, the world around you just starts to go crazy. Life has this way of of punching us in the face, doesn't it, Of, of, of afflicting us, to use the words of the psalm, of plowing long furrows along our backs, which leaves us with scars. Oftentimes these are emotional scars that we carry, but sometimes they're physical that remind us of those times when when we got afflicted, when we got punched in the face, and all of our best-laid plans went awry. When that happens, the next question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to give in are you going to get up? Are you tough enough? See, the giving in types, those are the types of people we meet in verse 6, That the grass on the housetops type. They get off to a promising start. It seems like they're going to be the winners in the end. Thing. Success comes quickly, but the thing is they have no depth. They're not going to last. And... and you know, one of the things about being a pastor, about my job, part of my job, is I get to know people in times in their life when they've just been punched in the face. When, when, when the plow has been run across their back more times than they care to count. And it's tough to see. But what encourages me is that I've seen some real toughness, some, some real perseverance from God's people. And some of the people even in this room, some of you all are, are, are some of the toughest people that I know. But I, the tragedy for me also too is knowing people, having friends, family, folks that I know and love dearly who aren't attentive to God. And I see them get afflicted. I see them get punched in the face and, and seeing them wither like grass on a housetops. And I want so badly for them to flourish, for them to be able to take that punch, get back on their feet. Because as strong as they might think that they are apart from God, they're not. They've got no roots, no depth, no ability to last through the extremities of life. And if you're ever tempted to give up and live life apart from God, consider this grass and its fate. Eugene Peterson says of this image of grass on the roof, he says, Opposition to the people of faith is like grass in the shallow ground. Palestine is a rocky country. In many places, there is only a thin layer of soil over bedrock. Seeds would sprout and grow from this dirt, but the grass didn't last. The thin soil couldn't support it. By midday, the grass would wither, no harvest there, no reapers wasting their time there. No one along the road would ever look out and shout, Great harvest you have there! God's blessing upon you. The illustration is a cartoon designed to bring a smile to the people of faith. The life of the world that is opposed or indifferent to God is barren and futile. It is plowing a field, thinking you are trampling all over God's people and cutting His purposes to ribbons but unaware that long ago your plow was disengaged. It is naively thinking you might get a harvest of grain from the shallow patch of dirt on a shelf of rock. The way of the world is peppered with brief enthusiasms, like grass on that half inch of topsoil, springing up so wonderfully and without effort, but is quickly withering. The way of the world is marked by proud, God-defying purposes, unharnessed from eternity, and therefore worthless and futile. The way of the world is ultimately weak. It gets punched in the face, and it's done for. But Psalm 129 teaches us that that, that faith is tough. Faith lasts. Faith perseveres. Faith can take a punch. Have you ever been punched in the face? I can tell you from experience, it, it is not pleasant When I was a freshman in high school, I had the displeasure of taking a sucker punch right to the jaw. I barely knew the kid who punched me. I don't remember his name. We'd never had a conversation, and and I don't really know why he punched me, other than maybe I have one of those, you know, punchable-looking faces or something like that. But, But I think, I think, I think, when I thought about why did this kid randomly walk up to me and punch me in the face, I think he was jealous that I had made the freshman basketball team, and he hadn't. Which, if he had actually played on the Southwest freshman boys traveling basketball team that season, he would have realized that he got the better end of the deal getting cut from that team. That was truly one of the most miserable teams, and we all hated it by the end. It was just one of those unending seasons of loss after loss after loss. But he was jealous at that point because I had made uh, the team, and so, anyways, we were walking down the hall one day, and he approached me, and he was coming right at me, and I gave him that sort of look, like, "Why are you walking towards me like that?" Look, and then boom, right in the face. And afterwards, I saw that he had a master lock, his locker locker room lock, in his hand with a little loop over his fingers. And I said, "Hey, man, why'd you punch me in the face?" But he just kept right on walking. And I burst out into tears because, well, it it didn't really actually hurt that badly. It was more stunning. It was humiliating, which was the whole point. Right? Running the, the, the furrows up and down the psalmist's back, the point of that isn't just to hurt him, it's to humiliate him. So you get punched in the face, and the question is what are you going to do about it? And the answer for followers of Jesus is get up and keep going, not because you're all that tough because I sure wasn't, but because God is. And so the psalmist interrupts his complaint with, with about being afflicted from his youth and the plow going over his back with these words, the Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. And so the picture, you know, of the, the plow running up and down the back, but, but then, 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 then the Lord cuts the cords connected to the wicked's plow. And after all of that agony, that pain, that humiliation, there is the realization of the radical freedom that comes because God is righteous. God is true to himself. God is who he says he is. That the Lord is righteous means that the Lord is faithful to his people. That the Lord is righteous means we can persevere and be tough because God has got our back. And in the message, Peterson translates that phrase, the Lord is righteous, with with this one. God sticks with us. God sticks with us, and that's the central claim of the psalm, and that's the basis for our ability to persevere. The last word to Eugene, that he sticks with us is the reason Christians can look back over a long life crisscrossed with cruelties, unannounced tragedies, unexpected setbacks, sufferings, disappointments, depressions. Look back across all that and see it as a road of blessing and make a song out of what we see. They've kicked me around ever since I was young, but they could never keep me down. God sticks to his relationship. He establishes a personal relationship with us and stays with it. The central reality for Christians is the personal, unalterable, persevering commitment God makes to us. Perseverance is not the result of our determination. It is the result of God's faithfulness. We survive in the way of faith, not because we have extraordinary stamina, strength, or toughness, but because God is righteous, because God sticks with us. Christian discipleship is a process of paying more and more attention to God's righteousness and less and less attention to our own. Finding the meaning of our lives, not by probing our moods and motives and morals, but by believing in God's will and purposes. Making a map of the faithfulness of God, not charting the rise and fall of our enthusiasms. It is out of such a reality that we acquire perseverance. In other words, we stick with God because God has already and will always stick with us. And we look at Jesus and we see that this is true. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me.